Hey, listener, we just want to give you a quick content warning on this one. We have abuse, we have torture, we have gaslighting, we have really fucked up power dynamics. If any of that stuff is going to be difficult to listen to, go ahead and skip this one. That's cool. We'll see you next week. Don't worry about it. Welcome to Who Are You? This is the Babylon 5 Watchcast, hosted by two former strangers, now friends, who have gotten to know each other while rewatching a classic show from their childhood, Babylon 5. I'm Jafar. And I'm Laura. And today we're going to do a little bit of The One. I think that this is really appropriate for today's episode. Yeah. You know, this episode has Sheridan answering a lot of questions, or not answering a lot of questions. And, yes. Uh, I think it's only fitting. Although our, our ours will be significantly more friendly. Yeah, we're going to be a lot friendlier with our conversation, I think, than poor Sheridan gets. It's too early for that shit. Exactly. <laughs> That's what I was just going to say. We're recording a little earlier than we usually do. Is this the <laughs> earliest? I think this is the earliest. I think it might be, yeah. It has to be. I don't think we've ever gone, oh, Saturday morning? Yeah, that works. Do but here we are. you yourself a morning person? Oh, no. Not by any stretch of the imagination. So it's 11 a.m. local for me right now. Yeah. I have been up for four hours without okay. an alarm. I had no cause. Nothing woke me up. That's just seven. I'm yeah. up. Yeah. I, so. I got up at seven, but I have a sort of an alarm <laughs> in that okay. there's a little <laughs> well, yeah. tiny person in my house that needs me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really the most influential alarm. The one I cannot snooze. Yes. Well, I have some questions for you today, Jafar. Yeah, let's get them. And I would like to know, as we are approaching rapidly the last quarter of this year, 2023, mm -hmm. what is the thing that you are looking forward to the most? I have some plans. I've got some ad hoc plans and I've got some set in stone plans. Uh -huh. uh, I've got two concerts in the next three, two weeks. Cool. Yeah, two weeks. The next 11 days. Wow. <laughs> Been tomorrow, there. Yeah. Tomorrow, I am going to go see Baby Metal and Death Clock. Fun. I have never heard Baby Metal before, and I don't really listen to metal. Yeah. But I like Metalocalypse, the show, and so I'm going to go see Death Clock. And mm -hmm. I've heard lots of, like, here's and there's and seen a couple memes about Baby Metal. And once I knew I was going to this concert, I have, like... To the point of obstinance, avoided finding out anything about them. I've not listened <laughs> to a single song. I want to have the live show be the first experience. You want to go in fresh. I, exactly. for some reason, have also seen them about on the internet, not in context related to you. So I'm very curious. Yeah. We'll see how it goes. Let me know. Um, and then the other concert I have that will happen, have happened by the time this airs, is I'm going to go see uh, Sammy Ray and the Friends, okay. who are currently one of my favorite bands. 
they are they're not like jazz or ska but they have like a full musical accompaniment oh that's fun of like I usually love saxophones and trumpets and stuff and uh-huh. they're like all pop rock i guess i don't know i don't know how to describe them mm-hmm. a friend listened to them and was just like oh they're like old timey music and i'm all like it's not really what I think of when I think of old time. Like when I think of yeah. old timey music, I'm thinking of like, burr, 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 burr. And it's like it's not really <laughs> that. But, but like, big I don't know band, how to describe it. That? But it's it's not though. It's I don't know. They're their own thing, I guess. Hmm. They're kind of just like an amalgamation of a lot of things, and you can probably find something you like there if you listen to most types of music. Okay. So I'm really looking forward to that. They dropped a live album about a month and a half ago, and it's got me really, really excited for the show because the live album is fantastic. It's probably my second favorite live album of all time right now. Cool. So yeah, concerts and plans and stuff. What about you? I think the obvious thing that I'm most looking forward to in the last quarter of this year is all the babies firsts. You know, it's going to be baby's first Halloween and Mm -hmm. baby's first Thanksgiving and baby's first Christmas. Just I'm so excited to dress her up in all the little outfits. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I have ordered a jammy for each holiday. She has a Halloween jammy and a Thanksgiving jammy and a Christmas jammy. (laughs) Mm hmm. I think that's one of the most fun things about having a little baby when there are sometimes a lot of not fun things about having a little baby. Yeah. But also, for sure. Yeah. We're also looking into taking a trip at one of the holidays. We haven't decided which one yet. It'll either be Thanksgiving or Christmas because as Aaron lost his father this year and we would like to take his mother on a trip. She hasn't been on like a big vacation for a while since she was doing a lot of caretaking and we would like to take her somewhere for a holiday and just all have fun together as a family and hopefully meet Aaron's sister and her family wherever and Mm -hmm. just have a great time. Yeah. I did that last year. Uh, My, my dad passed during COVID. My mom was a caretaker for eight or nine years before that of taking care of my dad. And now that COVID had calmed down, we took her, my sister and I took her on a trip and we went as a family and it was fantastic. It was one of the best vacations I've ever had. Some of the best of just weeks, just Mm -hmm. hanging out with my mom and my sister and Mm -hmm. uh, her boyfriend, who is one of my college roommates. Uh, We set them up. And so that's been, (laughs) that was a lovely trip. And I hope you have a similar experience. And in things looking forward to in the last quarter, you got to figure out what holiday you're going on. So that way I know when to come. Yeah. <laughs> we have to figure that out. I was out wondering still. if that was still on the table. So <laughs> it very much is. I have enough flyer miles to comp my partner and I's flights. So it will be super easy for us to do. We just need to find the time. I would love that. Yeah. Yeah. That will be fun. Excellent. I love it. I I have so much to look forward to in the last quarter this year. It's great. We've never recorded in person. We might do that. I know. Wouldn't that be exciting? (laughs) We'll see. (laughs) You'll have to talk to Aaron about what your rig setup is like so we could copy it. (laughs) It's the same. 
we okay. we have the same mics and everything, so I would we'll figure it out. I'm not worried about that yeah. right now. But what I am worried about right now, not worried about it at all, but what I am enjoying is fall. Fall yeah. starts officially in a week uh, mm-hmm. for like equinoxes and stuff. But here in Michigan, the leaves haven't started falling, but it is currently 64 degrees outside. Oh my God, that sounds glorious. <laughs> it's been like that for a week and a half here. It's been windows down all day. It's been so Okay, don't nice. rub it in. <laughs> it got down to 54, 53 last night. Man. Like it's starting to get to the point where I'm all like, do I have to roll up some of the windows? Is it going to be too cold for the dog? But it's not. It's still perfect. <laughs> so I love fall. And I got to know, what are some of your favorite things about fall? Well, not roasting to death is high on the list. We have finally <laughs> come down from above 100 degrees, which I feel like mm-hmm. it was above 100 degrees for at least a month, maybe a month and a half up until now. Mm-hmm. The last week has been actually down in the mid-70s. We're going to be up in the 80s again next week, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, 20 degrees lower is not bad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so not roasting to death is very high on that list. But other fall things I love, I do like the idea of pumpkin spice. I don't get a lot of pumpkin spice. I'm not like the one who has to run out and get the PSL. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm a fan. I like the other fall flavors. Just a lot of cinnamon. A lot of cinnamon in my life is yeah. really great in fall. We don't get a lot of foliage out here, so there's not a lot to see there, but it does start to rain again a little more, and I do like a nice, just rainy day. I'm ready for that. Yeah. So what about you? What is the best things about fall up there? Well, I mean, my house was built on a former apple orchard. Oh. So my my house is surrounded by apple trees. I've not put in the work to harvest fruit from them. Right now, they are more a, like, make sure my car isn't parked underneath one because apples are falling (laughs) Uh kind of a thing. But they're, honestly, they're the size of cherries. Like, they're very tiny apples on these trees. A lot of them are very mature apple trees because they don't produce giant apples. But Mm -hmm. when I had first viewed the house, I actually thought they were all cherry trees. Yeah. I was very excited for that because I'm all like, is that a rain or cherry tree? In Michigan? That would be so cool. Right? I mean, we do grow a ton of cherries here, too. So it's not unexpected. But they have, there's probably within driving distance of me, 15 different apple cider mills. And so it's like a thing here. You know, uh, went out for my mom's birthday and it was, you know, apple cider and art in the park was like the mm-hmm. thing that we did. Oh, so I'm, I'm here for cider season. I love Mm -hmm. apple cider. I love making hard cider. I make a gallon or two of hard cider every year. Oh, neat. And then, yeah, just that. I I do love the pumpkin spice. I'm a basic bitch. I got no problem admitting it. (laughs) Um, You know, I got the, I, at this point now I get the like creamer rather than going to Starbucks. Mm, Uh, Okay. And it's not even like a, I'm not even like particularly Uh, my own ass about it or anything i just we have a lot of nice coffee in the Mm -hmm. house sure we became uh trade subscribers trade hey if you want to sponsor this podcast and by sponsor this podcast i mean i'll say trade more and you send me free coffee yeah um you know i'd take that 
so we do that we get like fresh coffee that's been roasted within like a couple of weeks delivered to the house every couple of weeks and it's only like four or five bucks more than just buying it from the grocery store yeah and it's it tastes great so we just make a lot of coffee at home and Mm -hmm. uh those fall flavors i should make some indian food you can do some fun stuff when you make indian food at home with that pumpkin spice like that gourd and spice profile like some Mm -hmm. mace and some cinnamon uh, some cardamom fry that in some oil and then chop up a yellow squash and fry that in there and some onions and stuff yeah that Mm. sounds good delicious yeah, I love those soupy curry type things in the fall too. Yeah, there's so much good Thai food in Detroit. Uh-huh. It's like the low key sleeper cuisine of the city. Uh, there's a <laughs> there's just a bunch of Thai population that came out here at some point, mm-hmm. and so we have some excellent Thai restaurants. And yeah, it's mm. Thai. Our, that sounds good. Too. Our sleeper cuisine is probably Vietnamese because there's a big Vietnamese population that came. Mm. To Oklahoma oh, City, so fall. we'll have to go get some. I love fall when you're in here. the fall. Yeah. Oh, that's got a delicious so alliteration. Oh, I might go do that for dinner. Shit, changing my plans. All right. <laughs> okay, I have one last question, and this kind of fits in with the theme of the episode, and that you can yeah. take it in any way that you like it. So feel free to do that. If you want me to put some rails on it, let me know. But. Who is the one most influential person in your life right now? This is a difficult fucking question. I know. Um, and there's a it's lot of hostile, ways to though. take it. No, it's not mm-hmm. hostile. I mean, in like factual, probably like my boss's boss or like my CFO or something who's doing stuff mm-hmm. at work right now, which is impacting my day to day. Sure. Yeah, like, yeah. Very like most influential person right now. But I don't like that answer, and I don't like thinking about work on the weekends. And as we established, it's a Saturday morning. So Mm -hmm. I have spent a lot of my free thinking time over the last couple of months thinking about matching markets. And I might have talked about this kind of stuff on pod before here. I don't know if it would have come up. Um, Uh So there is a Nobel prize-winning economist named Eli Roth, or Alvin. Eli Roth is the director who did Grindhouse. uh, (laughs) I was like, I know the name, but I couldn't put it with somebody. (laughs) Alvin Roth is the economist I'm thinking of, and they couldn't be more More separate people, except (laughs) Alvin Roth does have a bit about organ donation, so I guess there might be a little crossover with that kind of grimy style of horror. Ugh. Mm -hmm. Ugh. Weird. My brain does weird things sometimes. Uh, Everyone who knows me knows this. (laughs) Um, Yeah, yeah. No, Alvin Roth is, as I mentioned, Nobel Prize winning economist who wrote kind of the seminal work on matching markets. And Uh matching markets are super interesting to me. And it's something I think a lot about because it's something that impacts our daily lives a lot more than the standard Mm -hmm. market, but in weirder ways. So, listener, if you're not familiar with the economic term of matching market, a matching market is a market where both parties have to implicitly agree to a transaction for it to take place. So, when you go to Best Buy to go buy a TV, you don't have to have LG show up and be like, yeah, you can buy one. You know, you have the money, you exchange the goods. 
So examples of matching markets that are super interesting are things like I'd mentioned, organ donation. Yeah. If you and that's where he got his Nobel Prize is by helping align markets, uh, helping align the kidney and liver donation systems to be more open and kind of helping build these databases to allow these donations to take place in triads instead of trades. When you're looking at organ donation, unless you have a direct line donor, it's very unlikely that the person who is willing to donate an organ, and this is kidney and liver, so this is survivable organ donation where they take two-thirds of your liver or one of your good kidneys for the donation, and then your liver will regrow or you live with one kidney. Usually the person who's willing to donate is like a spouse, right? But your Mm -hmm. spouse probably doesn't have similar biological makeup to you to be able to be able to donate. And hopefully not actually. (laughs) So it's very difficult to find, okay, well I need a liver and my spouse Mm -hmm. is willing to donate and you need a liver and your spouse is willing to donate and your spouse is a match for me and my spouse is a match for you. And that's how Mm -hmm. this worked for years, you know, all through the seventies and eighties when the stuff was happening, It was very like at this hospital, you had to have someone who was willing to donate, who matched someone else who was willing, who needed and all this stuff, right? For it to happen. Mm -hmm. That could be a pretty narrow pool. Yeah. And so what this system did is it allowed for triad trades where now we're involving three donors and three people who need a donation. And that Mm -hmm. exponentially increases the chances. Mm. And so just opening it up to allow this type of trading, let alone having the like system built to find donors and stuff has saved tens of thousands of lives. Yeah. And so that's an example of a matching market and how that works. And then the other one is employment. When you get a job, your your boss has to agree to hire you and you have to agree to take the job. Mm, And so I've been thinking a lot about matching markets and housing is the other is like the the huge one too is someone has to agree to sell you their house. Realtors are a kind of like mask on a lot of that to help it not be super shitty, but HOAs are a whole thing where it is super shitty and you can be racist about selling your house. It's fucking terrible, but that's America. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I've been thinking a lot about that kind of stuff and specifically one of his books, who gets what and why. And so I'll say Mm -hmm. Alvin Roth. How about you? Hmm. Well, I'm going to take it a little more factual. And literally, the person who is most influencing my life right now is a little tiny person. You know, we started out as one thing for nine months. We were literally one thing together. And now we are two Mm -hmm. things. And she's a little person who is uh, not fully formed. So she needs a lot of help being number two thing. And it's one of those things that I don't know if you've ever considered having children. I know that's not something that is in your plans, but you don't really understand it until you do it and that how much influence they're going to have literally on your every moment. And that, like I said earlier, she dictates when I get up and... She needs me at various times of the day for various things. 
and I have to support her in being her own second thing. And guess what? We get to do that like all of her life, like the rest of our lives. And it's one of those things you don't think about it. Or if you do think about it, you really don't understand it until you're doing it and living it. Mm -hmm. So that was, you know, probably a huge adjustment for me with Owen. And it's going a lot easier with her because I have that experience of doing it before. And I can Mm -hmm. feel it now as she is five months old, her like becoming a little better at being her own thing and pulling away just a little bit like in the sleeping through the night and she's working on her first two teeth and she's just I can feel her influence pulling away a little bit and (laughs) at the same time it's a huge relief and just kind of a little sad like yeah oh this is how it starts of her like becoming independent I can feel it starting and it's it's beautiful and it's like both happiness and sadness it's a very strange feeling to experience that is my factual interpretation of the word influence all right well wow that's thank you for sharing (laughs) (laughs) but speaking of questions since we're doing a lot of questions this episode yeah i have a very important question for you jafer what's that laura how exactly does a dick and fart joke podcast Review season four, episode 18, Intersections in Real Time. This is a real heavy episode with real heavy Uh shit. And I try to make jokes and I need to preface everything that happens after this is abuse and torture are very serious things. In the real world, I would never make a joke like any of the ones that I may or may not make in the next 30 minutes while we talk about this episode, nor should you. They are not things to be made light of. We are reviewing a piece of fiction that is not real events and does not happen. And I have to put that mental wall up in order to make dick and fart jokes about this episode (laughs) because fuck this episode is heavy. It's like an art piece, really. Yeah. Well, it was um, shot and treated like a theater production. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I can see would that. They would do the, uh, there's like the breaks where the interrogator leaves and mm-hmm. they would do the scenes until they got it in order of the episode. Okay. So they were just like, okay, we need to roll that one back. Okay, let's start from the top and do the thing. And they treated it like a play that they did several times over the course of a few days, I imagine. Yeah. Well, I mean, even it's got a black box set. Like, yeah, that's the the this art. This is the bottlest episode that ever bottled. <laughs> exactly, I wrote that down. I was like, man, this is it's a bottle episode, but it's also like really high tension the whole yeah. time, high drama. But you know, I I never picked up on this when I watched it the first time. But this is also a huge budget saver episode because mm-hmm. you literally just have this like one black box set. You have what three actors really yeah like okay there's some more people that show up but they're not giving lines yeah and we don't Um, get a good look at those security folks that could have been lou welsh for all i know yeah the actor not the character i imagine yeah yeah Yeah. also worth noting that this was originally planned to be the season four finale so tell me about that 
So there's the whole thing. We talked about it a couple times on pod where Babylon 5 looked like it wasn't going to get its fifth season for most of the Mm -hmm. production of season four. The network it was on, P10, was literally going bankrupt. There was all kinds of stuff going on. So most people were under the impression that season five was not happening. And so there is a rush throughout this season. I mean, they compressed four episodes into the previous 10 or so without looking at when the actual moment was offhand to get to this point. And then after this, we have what would have been probably a third to two thirds of season five in four episodes. Mm, yeah. No, knowing JMS, probably a third. So probably like that first nine like how we got in season four here where the shadow wars over by episode eight or nine. It probably yeah, would have been like which that. Which was just crazy, right? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so there's a whole bunch of stuff there, but this episode is very much, it's get intact comparatively. There's no B plot. There's no other stuff going mm-hmm. on. It's just yeah. Sheridan's interrogation is the whole episode Sans a little bit of flashback of Garibaldi's betrayal to set up how we got exactly here. Yeah. Yeah. We start off with these two flashbacks. We have one from Garibaldi Mm -hmm. setting him up. And then we have also Ivanova's objections to all of that. So it starts with Sheridan lying on the floor. A table and chairs are brought in. The first question is about allergies and medication. I would assume that this is on file, maybe not current medication, but definitely allergies would be on file, but that's likely the point. Right. So what are the three questions he asked here at the beginning? Allergies, medications, heart problems, heart problems. There was a third one. Oh, I can't remember it, but there's the, the way these three questions are delivered is very poetic. Did you notice Especially the second time he said them. I was like, this mm-hmm. sounds like a poem almost. I don't know if it was written in a particular meter. I should have like done the, done the math on that. But yeah. it sounded very musical to me. Do you have any allergies or illnesses I should be aware of? Are you currently taking any medication? Have you had any problems with your heart? We're introduced to the pain givers a Narn device Uh used for interrogations, and I'm guessing other fucked up power dynamics. Given the Narn's history with slavery and the Centauri, this seems like a weird fucking thing to have around. Yeah. Like, if this was a device used on them, why would they keep it and sell it to other races, maybe? Yeah. (laughs) After this, we get the start of what is a consistent thread in this episode which is abuser bullshit. You're doing this to yourself. I'm not doing it to you, despite me very much doing it to you. Yeah. There's a lot of interesting mental gymnastics happening Yeah, from our interrogator here. Oh, let's talk about our interrogator. Mr. Bruce Gray Yeah, is our interrogator. He's our one of two guest stars in this episode. Mm-hmm. So of an episode where we only have three people, two of them are guests. <laughs> yeah. But he's kind of a mini sci-fi that guy. He was in three of the four 90s Star Treks. Everything but Voyager, it looks like he's done a guest spot on. And Starship Troopers. He was in one of he the was Sky Marshals. Starship Troopers. Yeah. 
So he got some of the like highlights of the era, I think, to be in Babylon 5, three of the four Star Treks and Starship Troopers. Like that's not a bad little resume. No, no, that's solid. We go to theme. And when we're back, Sheridan has two ring lights for his sleep selfies. It's so hard to make jokes. Like, obviously, this is a torture device designed to keep him awake and to make sure any sleep he does get is miserable. But but humor. Also, it's just really great lighting in this episode on this black box. Just like, yeah, very bright. Mm -hmm. The interrogator begins the fuckery with some is it day? Is it night? I mean, the real question is, does it matter? Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. (laughs) Uh, Who cares? Like, oh, and, you know, as he like is going through his little what what day what time is it? You know, showing mm-hmm. off the lights and, and eating his sandwich. He says that you can't eat corned beef for breakfast. And I want to know what kind of sad life this guy is living that you can't eat whatever you want, whenever you want. I don't like most breakfast foods. And so okay, I definitely yeah. will eat a corned beef sandwich for breakfast. But also, more importantly, this is corned beef and hash erasure. Exactly. That's the... F- First thing I thought was like, has he never had corned beef and hash? What a sad life. I love corned beef and hash. It is one of the, it is like one of the few breakfasts when I go out that I will order. Mm -hmm. And I'll make it at home sometimes with a little Calabrian chili. Mm. Mm, That sounds delicious. It is very good. See? Gosh. I can see why this guy is so miserable. He starts to eat that sandwich, ignores them for a bit. We get some questions about political ambition. Framing the revolution around his lack of political interest and taking such a political action are contradictory. So obviously he was outside influenced. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, he's, he just makes of, it anything mean whatever he wants it to mean. Yeah. This is a nice setup for the rest of the episode. Exactly. <laughs> it's lunchtime now. And so he starts to eat his corned beef sandwich. I prefer horseradish over mustard on my corned beef. Mm, yeah. But this is all just a setup for truthiness because facts are mutable, right? Uh, yes. And I have a really hard time with this if you'll allow me a moment of pontification. Oh, we can always allow you a moment of pontification, <laughs> Jafar. Look, Thank how you. long have we been doing this? Go for it. A while. <laughs> Uh, The interrogator here is mostly right, but for the wrong reasons. Okay. And allow me to say, dear listener, you are allowed to change your worldview and accept what is right and what is wrong. May not be what you once consider them to be. This does not make past you incorrect every time. It definitely can be. But every moment is filled with inexplicable nuance and complexity. What matters is not a steadfast adherence to principle, uh, but rather constant examination of those principles because if you have become overly comfortable with your perception of reality it is likely that you are missing something it is impossible for us to know everything even in hindsight so being wrong is not a personal failing it's only a failing when you fail to recognize that you are wrong and not learning from your mistakes i fucking hate how rigid most aspects of society and insisting that everything is something even if it's just for someone else's comfort so that they can remain right and lazy rather than learn and grow, which is all to say, I paused this episode, got up and made myself a corned beef sandwich in the middle of this. And I don't know if that makes me a bad person or not. 
No, I think that if I if I were to sum up this little truthiness monologue and speech, the key thing that it is ignoring mm-hmm. is inputs. It's not just that we decided Mimbari were the enemy and then we decided Mimbari weren't the enemy. There was new inputs of information yeah. at some point. As with the Oath to Earth Force, at some point there were new inputs of information. It is okay to consider new information. And I see people in our society ignore this all the time. And I don't know if it's because, like you said, there's a fear of being wrong. Mm -hmm. Like the word wrong is just so scary to people that they won't even consider the new inputs. And it's like, well, if you have information now that you didn't have before... It's okay to change your mind. Yeah, right? It's okay. I've had people, and these are people who did not take COVID seriously, be all like, well, the CDC said that masks weren't actually going to be helpful at the start of the pandemic, and they were wrong about that, so they were probably wrong about everything else. And it's just like, Mm. motherfucker, science is about testing things and learning Mm -hmm. and correcting itself. You have to let it do that. It's not you know, some dogma that is right for the sake of it being right. It's right because it's right. That's not how science works. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think you could look at it too as truth is somewhere veiled under many, 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 many things. Mm -hmm. Would you say that truth is a free three edged sword? Yeah. It's like that. And when we're coming at it from our just our one point of view, we're going to see it obscured by some of those things that are covering it. Mm-hmm. And if you get new inputs and you uncover a little bit more and you're getting closer to the truth, that's not it changing. That's your point of view of the truth changing. Mm-hmm. 100%. And that's okay. What's not okay is JMS's choice here to spend the next 30 minutes just showing a Sheridan violently puking and shitting all over the room after he gets poisoned. Really weird choice yeah. that the episode is just 30 minutes of that. But that's it. I that's the know. review. So, Laura, on a scale of Babylon's <laughs> one to five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I didn't know some of those colors existed, man. <laughs> and that's how a dick and fart. We did it. We got we it. in the poops, guys. nailed it everybody go home yeah yeah Yeah. do you think his sandwich was really poisoned oh i mean it was he really built up this poison tolerance and then the sandwich is like cut in half it's not like he shared a a bite or anything he didn't baby bird him or nothing like right right probably not probably no point Mm -hmm. in that unless you're worried about getting poisoned uh Mm, there's a like uh there's historical precedent for this i'm trying to I can't remember the, there was a king who like was super paranoid about getting poisoned. And so he had built up this tolerance and then got disposed and he tried to kill himself with the poison, but he had built up the thing and couldn't kill himself with the poison and get out of like his shitty situation. Oh, too bad. Yeah. uh, No sympathy for 1% here. Deposed rulers. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure you were really great to the peasants. Yeah. He was a. A real gold ducat about the whole thing. Yeah. So we come back after, quote, the mess has been cleaned up. And the time scale changes once again. He says it's been four days now, not two. Mm-hmm. Okay, sure. And it's time to update the records, starting with Ivanova. And then 
the interrogator tells Sheridan his dad says hi. How's everybody's father feeling today? Hey, Jafer, this episode just gives me a ton of questions. Yeah. And one of them I have, because this is, we've entered territory where I don't 100% remember every aspect of the plot. Yeah. Is Sheridan's dad still alive for real? Yes. Is he though? Okay. Yes. Um, I think I'm supposed to be wondering that in this episode though. You are 100% supposed to be wondering that. Yeah. I think we see Sheridan's dad one more time in this show. Okay. Like the actor right. has a part still, I think. Okay. Sorry, listener, for spoilies. I know we. I mean, it could always be like a flashback or something. Yeah. But we are we, going to get the I'm actor pretty sure again. we see the actor again at the very least. Yeah. I can see it does have cliffhanger energy, really, doesn't it? Because I have all of these questions. Like, dang. Okay. So the interrogator starts to read Sheridan's confession to him. Sheridan refutes all of these charges against him. And the interrogator is just gone off. He's just like, there's no chance you're going to escape. You have no hope, no future. He really breaks into a verse of one of my favorite Darkness of Hillside Thicket songs. Also, Darkness of Hillside Thickets, what up? They are a Cthulhu rock band. Oh, yeah, that's very specific. (laughs) Yeah, they they are niche as fuck. They actually, they have a sci-fi concept album called Spaceship Zero that's a bomb. You should check it out. It's great. Mm, I'll do that. We go to commercial again after this, and then we return to the interrogations. The interrogator is constantly leaving the room like he forgot something, and he does that like four times this time. Mm-hmm. And it looks like he forgot a Drazi, played by oh, Wayne Alexander. I knew who this was from his eyes, even underneath yeah. all that Drazi loaf. It was the voice that got me. Yeah. Like, unmistakable. So, okay, question time again. Yes. Is this actor choice deliberate yes. in that? Yeah. Confirmed. Okay. Confirmed by JMS. Deliberate. Yeah. Like we weren't going to like, do an interrogation like episode without him. Yeah. Yeah. We're nodding to he was Jack the Ripper, the interrogator. Mm-hmm. Right. And then also I feel like we're nodding to the fact that he was also Lorien. And Lorien did kind of have some alien influence on Captain Sheridan. Right. Yeah. I mean, big time in that he brought him back to life. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> Very delicious. Good yep. choices. Yeah, it's rarely does casting a, a guest actor add so much nuance as it does here, which I just appreciate the hell out of. Mm-hmm. The Drazi offers a confession. Sheridan tries to get him to reignite this, his spirit to fight this, which he does successfully. The Drazi gets taken away on a stretcher, and we get an explanation of how expendable ends as the Drazi is, well, we're led to believe the Drazi is executed off screen. Yeah. Do you think that he is executed or do you think that he isn't? Oh, we see him again later. Yeah, but when we see him, is it really him? That's fair. Sheridan is hallucinating at that point. But it is really him. Other things. Someone asked about this on the Usenets, and he's all like, no, the Drazi was working with EarthGov the entire time. 
Whoa, okay. Yeah. I liked my headcanon a little better. That he was hallucinating the Drazi? <laughs> yeah. I dig that. Yeah. I think it's a little more fun and like, you know, because he, he hallucinates Delenn coming up here in a few minutes, I'm yeah. sure, to give that like gives himself strength. And if he hallucinated the Drazi, like giving himself strength again, like I think that's a little more entertaining than nah, he's just EarthGov plant or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I will I the way that I do like my process to prepare for recording an episode is I read uh-huh. all the Usenet stuff first and then I watch the episode. And I, I might've said that before. Oh, I'm not. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so you can like catch stuff. Yeah. Okay. I can place it at appropriate times in my notes you yeah, know, and reference sense. it when it comes up. And so uh-huh. because of that, this time I hadn't even considered that the Drazi could be a hallucination because I had already read the, Oh no, that Drazi was working with EarthGov bit. Oh, I think it's more fun to wonder. I'm sorry you didn't get the wonderment. <laughs> well, I got it vicariously now. Yeah, yeah. The uh, investigator puts his podcast on repeat to increase his listen count and then leaves the room so Sheridan can really Smart. let it sink in. Oh, man, I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> you don't just play our podcast when you're not in the room. All the listens you we know... can have. We need to put out a 30-second <laughs> episode and just repeat it. We'll catch up to Gray 17 on listens. Yeah, take that, Gray 17. Congrats on your huge milestone, by the way. <laughs> yes, we are very happy for you. Anyways, <laughs> do you think that's how they did it? <laughs> of course ask Scott. Not. <laughs> we'll ask Scott next time we Never. talk to him. After this, the interrogator comes back, turns off his podcast, and he checks the IV, and he gets close enough for the pain kivers to really, they should have kicked in. He's like oh, right yeah, next to him. And I'm wondering if it's a, like, it's only if Sheridan moves close or something. Like, it's not how yeah, they explain like it's it working, but that's probably how it works. Yeah, okay. Um, and whatever. It's sci-fi. There's aliens and spaceships. Right. Like, I'm willing to make certain concessions. Mm-hmm. Lots more of the you're self-destructive, making me hurt you bullshit. Mm-hmm. And Sheridan's like, you're just going to kill me. And the integrator's like, well, yeah, but not until you're forgotten. So you aren't a martyr. And this is when yeah. Sheridan sees Delenn behind the interrogator and he's yearning for freedom. He grabs his pen to sign the confession, but instead of his name, just draws a giant dick. <laughs> and there we got a dick and a fart joke in the interrogation episode. Nailed it. Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> Probably the first episode where we've had a dick and a fart show. <laughs> oh, what a milestone for us. <laughs> right. Take that, Gray 17. <laughs> uh, Man, other question time. Yeah. If he's on an IV at this point, how long has it been? Uh, I mean, he's without getting intravenous water, nutrition. Days. He might not even be getting intravenous nutrition. I mean, one, this could... No, he says nutrition. Yeah, but he says all kinds of shit. Fuck him. Oh, Uh, true. Okay. uh, Fair. It's a... It could just be water. It could just be saline, just whatever. It could be something to make him... It could be drugs to fuck with him. Like... Mm, True. true. For all we know, it's been like five hours since he was captured. And they're just giving him stuff to fuck with his sense of time. Mm -hmm. You know? It's something that like we are on the precipice of having as this is as like scientific discovery right now is there's hormones in your brain that impact how you perceive time. 
as a postpartum mother, I 100% agree. Yeah. <laughs> There's got to be. <laughs> well, there is. It's you, And it's something your brain produces when you're younger and stops mm-hmm. when you're older, which is why time goes faster as you get older. This isn't just a like collective perception, like made up thing. This is actually your brain like drives mm, that took okay. da- felt like they took days as kids that you go and make as an adult and you don't think about. It's this chemical in your brain. Yeah. Wild. Weird. Right. I can see developmentally why that might be important though. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Um, so the interrogator's just like, last chance, bro. And he's just like, fuck off. So the interrogator packs up. Everything is out of his, his hands now, but he comes back to try again, kind of desperately. They're just going to kill him and deep fake him reading the confession. Yeah. Posthumous confession is the threat at this point. Yep. Sheridan turns the interrogator's words against him. He wins every time he says no. He's thrown on a stretcher and taken to room 17. He overhears the last rites, but only sees Delenn in the distance. In the room, an executioner is there. Everyone leaves. The room is revealed to be the old room. The executioner is the drowsy. And a new interrogator starts exactly where the last one did. And scene. This is a terrible thing to do to someone, as is all torture, just to reiterate what we've said a handful of times. Sure, sure. Torture bad. Got Uh, it. (laughs) This is the best trick this episode has. This is such a mind fuck. Like, and I mean, knowing it's coming, we've seen this before. I remembered this bit. And so I'm just like waiting for it. I thought it was earlier in the episode. I thought we got more with the second interrogator, to be perfectly honest. But just like, man, just the way this cuts. Yeah. I really liked thinking of the the cloak coming off of the executioner and being the drowsy as just like him hallucinating the drowsy, like Mm -hmm. to give him strength of like, you know, he convinced the drowsy to keep keep going. Yeah. And his hallucination was trying to convince him to keep going. But it also is like super mindfuck where it's like, yeah, we're just controlling everything and nothing is real. And it's all hope is lost, my dude. Mm -hmm. And as a if this had been, as you said, the season finale. Oh, my God. How crazy would that drive you until the next season? Oh, I mean, that would have been so delicious. I, I feel bad that JMS was robbed of this moment. I have gone on record uh, maybe a year or two ago of talking about missing the season end cliffhanger and how spoiled everyone in streaming land is right now myself Mm -hmm, included to be clear and i felt very strongly that that was the case because you get so much anticipation built up in the background of your life waiting for that resolution especially when you're so attached Mm -hmm. to the characters like i remember best of both worlds when i was a kid Mm -hmm. yeah that's a famous example and all that and all the anticipation and waiting out that summer and stuff and i have to say now with strange new worlds ending on a cliffhanger and the strike preventing season three from being able to start filming oh yeah that's torture i take back my words fuck you past me (laughs) yeah a lot of our shows that are doing some sort of cliffhanger in streaming land it's like when we don't even know when yeah if ever because there's going to be a ton of stuff canceled Mm -hmm. because of this yeah it's so scary it's not 
just that like excited anticipation that we had for best of best of both worlds. It's like fraught mm-hmm. right now. Oh, it's so scary. But I, I mean, I hope that what comes out of this is that people get the good things that they deserve. Yes. Our creators, our writers. I hope it doesn't come at the cost of their current art. So support your local unions, everybody. 100%. All right. Before we get to our ratings on this episode, we do have a message coming in on Babcom right now. Sheridan. Ooh. Victor from Dominion Media and Television wants us all to know that he fucking hates this episode. He's given his first fuck this episode rating. Aww. Uh, he, he, I love he, it, DMT. He said 0.5 Babylons out of five. I don't know if he knew <laughs> if he knew fuck this episode was an option. He tells a story about a pizza party when he was a kid on Discord. So you should join our Discord and read that story there. I'll let him tell it again. Or okay. you can dig through search history. But yeah, just wanted to share that, pass that along. But I agree. Fuck this episode. This is an hour of torture porn. This mm-hmm. is Eli Roth's favorite episode uh, to come back around. <laughs> like, it's an important episode for a couple of reasons. Uh, yeah. But yeah. I don't think the greater show is served by Sheridan suffering this much. Oh. I think you could have had this be half of an episode and no. maybe it wouldn't be as impactful, admittedly especially knowing that you've got your accelerated rate and that this wasn't going to be the cliffhanger. Uh-huh. Honestly, I might feel different about it if it was the cliffhanger without changing anything with the episode except that. But it's just, mm. God, oh, just fuck this episode. I'm going to give this effect this episode as well, but, and is this our first like double fuck double this episode? Fuck this I don't know. I can't remember. I, don't think I know we've done it I've before. given one when you didn't give one and, and vice versa. Yeah. But have we both agreed? I don't think we've both said fuck this episode before. I'm going to say fuck this episode, but I wouldn't change a thing about it, actually, because for me, this really establishes how fucking bad Earth is. Yeah. And how desperately awful things are there and why we, I mean, obviously, we we had firing on civilians and that was why we started doing what we're doing. Mm Mm-hmm. But to me, this establishes why we have to finish doing what we're doing, because Earth is awful. All right. And fuck this episode, because I don't want to believe that we become this in the future. I'd like to believe in a Star Trek future. Yeah. Like the original Star Trek future where, you know, Gene Roddenberry insisted that everything was utopian mm-hmm. and we were like becoming our best selves. Like, I really, really, really want to believe that that's where the human race is going and this just fuck this i don't want this to be who we are yeah doesn't particularly look super hopeful at this time (laughs) in our development but you know i just want us to be better be better everyone yep so fuck this episode fuck this episode but maybe not fuck next episode we'll we'll see next week but we got tell me about it season four episode 19 between the darkness and the light. Okay. Ben's going to be joining us. Oh, yay. I knew it was soon. Yep. Yep. Ben's going to be joining us next week for this episode. Ben being a previous guest, a previous co-host of this when I was sick with COVID filled in for me and also is my co-host on my other podcast last time on, which I will shout out now and we will talk about more 
next week, most assuredly. Give a little status update on how that project is going and all that. But we've what got... you've gotten into post Breaking Bad. <laughs> oh yeah, we've. I think we recording wise, we're almost done with our second show, and release wise, we're not terribly far behind. I think we've put out the first two or three episodes of Into the Badlands right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. We look forward to hearing from Ben yeah. next time. But tell me what this episode is about. Lita, Dr. Franklin, and Garibaldi set out to rescue Sheridan. Ivanova is informed that a trap is being set for the fleet. Mm, okay. Sounds like a different kind of high drama. Yeah. So we'll be talking about that next week. But before we get there, we, of course, have to say thank you. Thank you, Jeremy Siegel, for our lovely theme music. We appreciate it and you. You can find more of Jeremy's work at jeremysiegel42.bandcamp.com and also on streaming services as Nuclear Jaguar. As far as we're concerned, you're the only Jeremy Siegel who makes music, Jeremy. Yeah, you're the most important Jeremy Siegel. 100%. Much better than any other Jeremy Siegels who make music or any other Jeremy Siegels who do economics. <laughs> <laughs> And also, thank you to Angry Duck Time Machine on Instagram for our podcast artwork. And a big thank you to the most influential person for this podcast, Aaron. Thanks for editing. Appreciate and making you. things happen. Thank you so much. <laughs> so much of my life. Thank you. <laughs> so many hours. It would not be happening if Aaron was not editing right now, y'all. <laughs> it's the truth. 100%. So. And uh, thank you, listener, for choosing to spend... I'm guessing after edit about 50 minutes with Laura and I this week as we talked about probably the darkest episode of Babylon 5. Hope that you at least gleamed something, if not a little chuckle from this episode. And uh, join our community Discord. Send us your season four thoughts. You should still have time, maybe. This is probably last call if it isn't already too late. So go ahead and send us all that stuff, please. And then we'll talk about that in our season four recap episode. Yeah. Looking forward to it. All right. Take care, Internet. Bye. Bye.